Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is August 30th, 2016. My name is Philip Rossmanike. I'm the expert and editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com, and you are listening to Locked on Magic. If that wasn't completely clear, I'm still working on a, on a good intro phrase. I thought I had it down, but, uh, you know, still still trying out some new things, you know, still, still getting those feet wet, still kind of twiddling my thumbs a little bit uh, as we get closer and closer to the season, and I'm sure all of you are too. But if you're in the mood for, for something different, be sure to check out uh, some of the other great podcasts in the Locked On Podcast Network, not just the NBA. There are some fantastic NFL podcasts. Locked On Jaguars should be starting soon, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then you can also listen to Locked On Buccaneers with Greg Alman. Uh, does a really good job covering the Bucs. Uh, uh, certainly a good resource to listen to as the NFL season comes closer and closer and closer. Uh, obviously... The Magic are kind of, we're just kind of waiting for the season to start. we got about a month now before training camp, almost September, which means the long wait through the offseason is almost over. But we'll be here, as are some of the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, any NBA team, virtually, you can find them. Uh, I listen to a lot of them. They're all really, really fantastic. Uh, some great, great thinkers and writers um, on, on the NBA teams uh, covering them around the web. So be sure to check that out. Obviously, uh, the big sports news for the last few days has been Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I-, I tweeted out a link to this, but be sure to check out uh, Locked On 49ers. They they discussed it in depth and what it means for what I mean, just really the whole thing because uh, obviously it's a complex issue and and I know there's probably people saying stick to sports, stick to the magic, but it's an important issue and it being August 30th, which if you live in Florida is election day, is is primary day for several important races. Um, whether you're Republican or Democrat, uh, both both uh, both sides of the aisle have important Senate primaries uh, going on for the for the National Senate. Uh, there's still state state uh, offices being run for uh, big amendment amendment four, which is about which has something to do with uh, with tax with taxing for uh, for use of solar panels and renewable energy uh, on property. A lot of really important stuff. So. Go to your local paper, read up as much as you can about it, do do some research, and, and get into the ballot today uh, because it's election day and it's your right to vote. And frankly, I don't care who you vote for; just vote. I think it's I think it's it's more important. The act of voting is more important than who you vote for. So, so please, I, I'll I'll say this again in November: I don't care who you vote for; just go vote. I'm gonna go vote later today, uh, and then I'm going to enjoy a nice big greasy hamburger because nothing makes me feel more American than voting and having a hamburger. On today's episode, though, we are going to talk about some magic things. There are, there's still some magic things to talk about, I think. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Frank Vogel and how he how he differs from Scott Skiles. Because I, th- I think a lot of what they do or a lot of what they're going to preach is going to be very, very similar. The way they go about it is probably the difference. But we're going we're to talk a little bit about that and, and how how that interplay is going to react going to react and certainly there's a lot of changes so maybe it's it's overblown but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Frank Vogel today uh, we're also going to continue 
looking at the Orlando Magic Daily Top 25 list as we continue to count down the top 25 players in Orlando Magic history. You can check out those articles on orlandomagicdaily.com. And I also talked about players 21 through 25 on yesterday's episode of Locked on Magic. So be sure to check that out. We are going to start today, not with the election, not with anything else, but we are going to start today with some basketball. Yes, some actual basketball being played over in Europe and some real basketball because, believe it or not, Wednesday, Wednesday there will be actual Magic players playing basketball that mean, that means something. Uh, I, I've talked about this a few times on the show already. Uh, beginning August 31st, that's Wednesday, Nikola Vucevic will be playing for Montenegro in the Eurobasket qualifying tournament, uh, and certainly um, it's it's a big deal for for Vucevic and, and for uh, you know for for some of us you know hungering for some basketball. There's 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 basketball to watch now, all of a sudden. And uh, it looked like it looks like Nikola Vucevic is playing really really well. We we talked a little bit about it um, at the B at uh, about a week ago about uh, what's going on or, or, or where what the schedule is going to be like and and some of the early friendlies. But Nikola Vucevic reportedly had a really really good game on Saturday, uh, August twenty seventh. Um, he turned in a really stellar game. One report had him at 20.7 rebounds, 10 assists, 4 blocks, 8-for-12 uh, shooting, and 2-for-3 from beyond the arc. Uh, it's a really, really interesting stat line. That's a, And that's, that was against Slovenia, and, and he made Goran Dragic apparently not look so hot. Uh, so that is... A really encouraging stat line from Nikola Vucevic, and you know, we—it's sometimes tough to get uh, that that kind of news uh, from some of these games. There's the, the coverage isn't particularly good, and it's tough to find it in English. Uh, but to see a stat line like that, even in a friendly, the game doesn't count yet. The, the games will start counting on Wednesday. Even to see that in a friendly is really, really encouraging because you know I wrote a little bit about it on the site today. But Zach Harper of CBSSports.com came out with a really interesting article talking about rim protection. And, and whenever we talk about Nikola Vucevic, we're, we're always inevitably going to go back to kind of rim protection and his shortcomings on the defensive end. As good as he is offensively, and, and Nikola Vucevic is a very skilled and very talented offensive player, as good as he is on the offensive end, the question has always been, can he bring it on the defensive end? And what this... Uh, what this store, what this uh, post that came out from Zach Harper of of CBS Sports was, was examining was okay. How does rim, you know, how how do we measure rim protection? You can certainly use blocks per game, and that tells part of the story. You can use defensive rating; that tells part of the story. You can tell. You can look at field goals attempted at the rim per game, or, or field goals allowed at the rim per game, field goal percentage allowed at the rim per game, every game. Um, there's some other metrics that are used, like points added or points taken away per 36 minutes is one that they use in this in this uh, measurement. And by all these measures, Nikola Vucevic looks very bad. Last season, uh, according to according to Harper's stats, Vucevic uh, had a plus 1.8 defensive rating differential, meaning the Magic were 1.8 points allowed per 100 possessions worse with Vucevic on the floor. Um, he had a minus 0.67 point save per 36 minutes. So essentially, they were at, he was adding about a half point, you know, about two thirds of a point 
per 36 minutes or teams were, were gaining gaining that much when he was on the floor. Uh, and his rim protection obviously was better last year, but still at 54% is not very good. And so to see Vucevic blocking some shots and, and being involved, hopefully defensively, is a really, really good sign because as, as we've repeatedly said throughout the summer, this team has to be very good defensively if they want to survive and if they want to, to win uh, and, and achieve their goals and make the playoffs this year. So uh, a really strong stat line from Nikola Vucevic, and, and I'll, I'll end this segment on, on this note. Uh, the good news is there is um, reinforcements coming. Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biombo are two of the best players at protecting the rim by these metrics. Uh, Biombo gave up 45.2% at the rim, 1.72 points saved per 36 minutes. So he is a big net positive. And as much as Serge Ibaka's other defensive numbers have gone down, his rim protection remains very, very solid. Saved 1.53 points per 36 minutes, gave up 43.6% shooting at the rim. Thunder were 1.4 points per 100 possessions, better defensively with him on the floor. And so the hope again remains that Ibaka or Biombo can cover up Vucevic's defensive mistakes and the Magic can still utilize Vucevic's strong offensive game, and it's a very, very strong offensive game, uh, as he, the Magic needs some offense, and, and Vucevic is certainly someone who can put up points and, and put up points in a hurry. Uh, so a really encouraging stat line where we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on Vucevic as uh, Montenegro plays uh, their Eurobasket qualifiers. That begins Wednesday, uh, I can get a time on that, or I'll, I'll post a time on that, or certainly I'll certainly be trying to watch the games uh, on Wednesday, and it's at least give you gives give updates on on how he's doing and how Montenegro is doing as they try to qualify for Eurobasket. And like I said, I expect them to. I think they'll win that group and and advance uh, to next summer's tournament. All right, let's talk a little bit about Frank Vogel. What I mean, what is there really to say? I think we all have very, very high expectations for Frank Vogel and the kind of culture that he's going to bring in. Uh, We know what he's done at Indiana. In Indiana, he was consistently and constantly a strong defensive voice. And and even though his teams changed around him, they were always a top 10 defensive team, if not a top 5 defensive team. Uh, There's some strange quote coming out from Nate McMillan today saying, the Pacers need to get back to playing defense the way they played a few years ago. And a lot of us kind of suspect that this is McMillan looking at raw statistics or raw points points per game, points allowed per game numbers. Because yes, the Pacers gave up more points per game last year than they had the previous years. But they also played at a much faster pace. The Pacers were third in the league in defensive rating last year. A few years ago, they were first. Okay, seriously. It's, it's, Nate McMillan is not known as an analytics guy and doesn't speak that language. And I I know some people are like, well, yeah, their raw number went up, but it doesn't account for pace. It doesn't account for the possessions of the game. That's why we use defensive rating and offensive rating because it's points, points scored or points allowed per 100 possessions. It equalizes that number for all the teams so we can more accurately compare them. It's, it's. You can't compare necessarily the Memphis Grizzlies number to the Golden State Warriors number. The Warriors play at a much faster pace. They play with more possessions. They're going to give up more raw points, but there's also more opportunities to score. That's why we, that's, sorry for getting on my analytics rant. That's that's why we use those statistics. But the Magic know they're bringing in a coach who teaches defensive principles and has been very, very successful at getting teams to play defense at a very, very high level, even to some extent beyond their ability. Now, the Magic had a coach like that last year. 
believe it or not, Scott Skiles has did all those things too. And so if if you want to put a pin, you know, put a pin in this balloon of optimism of Frank Vogel, and and believe me, I believe Frank Vogel is going to make a huge difference for the Magic. I think he's a better coach than Scott Skiles, and, and I'll explain why in a little bit. But if you want to to hold the phone on this or, 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 to, or to, to play devil's advocate and say, well, how do we know Frank Vogel is really going to work? This is the argument that you make here. Scott Skiles also has a, had a reputation for taking young teams and helping them improve on the defensive end. If there's one thing Scott Skiles was supposed to do for the Orlando Magic was to make them a top-half defensive team, which which they weren't. They, they finished 17th, I believe. Uh, but the, everywhere he's, he's gone, they've always finished in the top 10 in defense, and that helped them get in the playoffs. It's the same theories that we've talked about on this show all summer long. You get a top 10 defense, you get in the playoffs. Skiles had that defensive mentality too. And that's something that he was supposed to bring, and it didn't quite work out that way. It didn't quite come to fruition that the Magic would be a defensive team. And so, how is Frank Vogel going to come in and do the same thing? Or how is he going to come in with the same kind of promise and deliver? Well, certainly the Magic changed their roster. They have a a, a better kind of defensive-oriented roster now. Victor Oladipo is a fantastic defender. Scott Skiles loved him as a defender. He, he he constantly said he's a defensive player of the year type player, and and certainly I think with given some more freedom, he he certainly could be. Um, but the Magic now have the rim protection, and I mean I, I touched on it earlier. They they have Serge Ibaka, they have Bismack Biombo, they have some more veterans. I think Skiles needed a more veteran team. I think the team was simply too young for what Skiles wanted to do. Uh, and that's going to help the Magic grow. But the other big difference, and I think this is the key difference, and why you know Vogel making the same promise as Skiles make, there's a little more confidence, is just the approach they take. When the Magic hired Scott Skiles, among NBA people, there was talk of what's, what, what, what some people do call the Skiles effect. And I'm sure I talked about it. I don't think I called it this, but I talked about it. I know I know Orlando Magic Daily's contributor, Zach Palmer, talked about it. We all talked about it. We knew it was going to happen. Skiles wears his players thin. He runs them very hard uh, and and is, is very kind of focused. And, you know, and, and maybe this is too much of a characteristic, but the reputation for him is that he is just very, very hard on his players. And we certainly saw that throughout the year. Certain players just couldn't get out of the doghouse. Mario Azonia never got his leash extended. He never really gained gained that trust. Aaron Gordon had to work especially hard to get that trust. Channing Fry probably got the call a few times longer than he should have over a player like Andrew Nicholson, who was producing a little bit more, but maybe didn't have the same kind of defensive trust that that Scouse was looking for, uh, you know, Say what you want. I mean, I don't think the Victor Oladipo going to the bench thing was was a big deal, but it took a while for Skiles to settle on on that rotation in the, in the backcourt and, and and on the wings. It never really came to fruition. It was it was always a struggle for the Magic and for Skiles. And and uh, my biggest criticism of Skiles was always he never saw the forest for the trees. He he was so laser focused on winning each individual game and coached every game like it was life or death. 
that he didn't think, I got to let Mario ride a little bit, let him make some mistakes. It's okay if, you know, we fall behind a little bit or, or if we sacrifice a little bit now because it's going to help him in the future and make him a better player for us down the stretch or may, give him confidence down the stretch that I'm not going to pull him when he makes a mistake. Those are the kind of things that you sometimes have to manage. And I think Frank Vogel's better at managing that. I think the way he gets his message across is a lot better. When you hear rumors about, when you hear talk about, first off, when you see how many of the players on the Pacers went to bat for Vogel when he was let go, you heard them all say, I can't believe, I mean, you heard a lot of them say, I can't believe that the Pacers let Frank go. He's going to, you know, we're, we're going to miss him. Like it, that was the constant refrain from players on the Pacers after the news that the Pacers weren't going to renew his contract. That says a lot to me. I don't think it was all PR bluster. There's no reason for them to. There's no reason for like Paul George to go out of his way to say that. I think the I think the way Vo, uh, but when you hear people talk about how Vogel comports himself, he's very conversational. Um, he's not a taskmaster. He wants to sit down and talk talk with you and go through tape and. And, you know, kind of listen to suggestions. He's very open. And I think that, you know, unfortunately for Skiles, that's the way NBA players want to be coached now. They don't want a Bobby Knight. And not saying Skiles is Bobby Knight, but they don't want someone like that. These players don't want someone like that. They're professionals, especially. In college, you can get away with that. And the pros, you can't. You need to be a motivator, and you need to be kind of a partner almost. You know, yes, you know, you got to do what the coach says, but... You got the coach has to show respect back, and it's it's not an easy balance to make. And Vogel seems more adept at making that balance with today's NBA players. So Vogel is selling a lot of the same stuff Skiles is selling. It, it's certainly it, we don't really know what kind of offense he's going to run, but we know defensively he's going to ask for the same kind of commitment Skiles did. It, the strategy might be might be different. Um, it might be a better fit. He certainly has a better roster for it. But the way he approaches things is going to be what differentiates Vogel from Skiles and what they're selling. Ultimately, what matters is, is results. I mean, we can talk about approaches and styles and, and what's promised and what's not. Ultimately, it comes down to results. Vogel's got to deliver. Skiles didn't really deliver. I mean, say what you want about Skiles. I certainly thought he... Deserved to, you know, if he didn't get, res- if he didn't resign, there were there were still people saying the Magic should fire Skiles and hire Vogel. And I said, you don't know if Vogel's coming. First off, Skiles did his job. They got a ten win improvement. There are issues, but you can work through them. Skiles resigning helped the Magic get a better coach, and 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 they got lucky on that front. It was the first really stroke of luck they've had in this rebuild, to be frank. Um, and. We'll ultimately see what Vogel becomes. I'm confident. I think he's going to do a good job. I think he's going to deliver on what what Skiles couldn't, and the Magic are going to be a much better defensive team, and that's going to put them in the conversation at the very least. Uh, we'll see how far into that conversation they go, though. It's it's obviously a long way away, and and we're antsy to get training camp started so we can start answering some of these questions, of course. All right, on to the next part of our Orlando Magic Top Twenty Five countdown. Again, we are counting down the top 25 players in Orlando Magic history this week. Uh, there's been lists going around all summer. Orlando, The Orlando Magic just issued their list based on a fan vote. I know our good pal Adam Papa Giorgio of uh, Magic Basketball Online on his podcast um, issued a list as well. 
uh, with his partner. Um, I'll probably try and get him on to, to talk about it because there's probably two no bigger fan fan historians at least than than Adam and I. So we'll we'll, we'll get into some good debates over our lists here. Uh, but I reached out to the Orlando Magic Daily staff, um, our, our contributing writers, and we came up with our list of the top 25 players. Everyone submitted a list. Uh, we, you know, ranking with a rank order. Um, I assigned a point value to them and combined them to make a, a sort of master list, if you will. Um, you can check out part one on the site, OrlandoMagicDaily.com. So that would be 20, that would be numbers 21 through 25. Uh, and I also went over them on yesterday's episode of Locked on Magic. So be sure to check that out um, if you're wondering, oh, where, where's, where's Terry Catledge? Uh, you're probably not wondering that. Um, but if you are, I want to meet you. I like I like I like other Terry Catledge fans. Um, so on to the list. Picking up at number twenty, we have the original replacement for Shaquille O'Neal, and that would be DJ Ronnie Cycli. Yes, the now famed, internationally known. Yes, this is actually true. Internationally known DJ in in this in the Miami area. Uh, Ronnie Cycli comes in at our list at number twenty. Cycli played really one one full season in Orlando, uh, and he has the unfortunate title of being the first guy to try and replace Shaquille O'Neal. Um, unfortunately, that's the lot he was given uh, in his time with the Magic. And Cycli was a good player, but not a great player. Um, in ninety seven, he averaged seventeen point six points per game and nine point seven rebounds per game. Only played in three of the five playoff games. I believe he got hurt during that series, and that series was an injury disaster. And if Penny Hardaway wasn't there, it would have easily been a sweep. Probably still should have been a sweep, but Penny Hardaway is just freaking amazing. We'll get to him on Friday uh, on the final day of, of, of the list here. Uh, but uh, Cycli was a very, very good was a very good player. Um, he's sort of like, honestly, he's sort of like a, a, a Nikola Vucevic in a lot of ways, where very adept offensively. He had a decent jumper, not a great jumper, not like Vucevic, but really a good scorer. One of the best low post scorers on in Magic history. I mean, I remember he hit a game winner against the Raptors, um, a nice a, a little tip in, in, in like Jan, on like January 1st or 2nd, 1997. 1997. Um, I went nuts uh, because uh, my mom would let, I mean, this was, I was seven, eight years old at the time. Uh, so I only got to go to games on weekend, weekends and holidays. And my mom would not take me to the game because Florida was playing Florida State in the national championship game. I had my priorities straight. I wanted to watch the Magic, so I was in another room watching the Magic play during during the national championship game. Uh, and I remember that very distinctly, and was still very ups- I'm still very upset that I did not go to that game. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Ronnie Cycli was just a very skilled offensive player, good scorer, someone someone the Magic could rely on. But he wasn't sa- he wasn't Shaq. And that's ultimately his legacy. And things didn't work out for a number of reasons. Uh, some ridiculous, some true. Uh, and the Magic eventually moved on from him, traded him. Uh, injuries began to catch up with him. The Magic got, caught him at the end of his career. Uh, and he was just a, a solid offensive player and, and not a whole lot more. Uh, but certainly someone that uh, is a, is someone that, that deserves a place in Magic history and deserves to be talked about as one of the best players in Magic history, just not a super great player. Number nineteen, we have some recent some recency bias, but certainly someone that's still up for much debate, and that is Victor Oladipo at coming in at number nineteen. 
you know, say what you want about Victor Oladipo, and, and I think my opinion is is pretty firm, and it certainly runs the gamut. Um, our high low on him. Hat, he was as high on our list as, as number 13 and as low as 22. So he's clearly in that group. Um, he averaged 15.9 points per, points per game, points per game, points per game, four assists per game uh, in his three seasons with the Magic. Uh, showed plenty of flashes of stardom. Uh, certainly a player that could still turn into something. It, it's, it's hard to know what he is yet. Uh, but for my for my liking, he was still... A little too inconsistent. He he never really developed the consistency that you wanted, especially from a number two pick, and especially for a team that was rebuilding so much. And, and the Magic were trying to get up to a certain level, uh, and couldn't quite get there. I had Victor Oladipo. I actually think I had Victor Oladipo uh, as my. Um, I I had him as the low. I was the. I had him at number twenty two. Um, I had him behind some other players who didn't make the list. Uh, as well, um, and ahead, you know, maybe ahead of some players he shouldn't have been ahead of. I had him just ahead of Aaron Afal and Jason Richardson on my list. I don't think either of those players made our top twenty-five. So uh, Oladipo was a, was a really really good player, or is a really really good player. Um, don't get me wrong. I think that the Magic had him playing the wrong role though, and that's why ultimately his time in Orlando has seen somewhat. Dis- it might be viewed somewhat disappointing disappointedly. Uh, and so, you know, best. I think he'll do really, really well in Oklahoma City. He's probably going to make the Magic look a little bit foolish, but I don't think he'd ever play that role. And and he just he just wasn't a star, but a very, very good player. Came at a weird time in Magic history, uh, and uh, deserves some thought here. Number eighteen, we have Jonathan Clay Reddick, JJ Reddick. Uh, this is a I think a pick a pick for longevity. To be perfectly honest, uh, you know, certainly uh, some people. It, I didn't ask people to think about things specifically when, when I said poll. I just said, name your top 25, 20, 25 players. So certainly factors come into play. J.J. Reddick spent seven years with the Orlando Magic. He is near the top of almost every Magic shooting category. He's in the top 10 in games played. And while he didn't have the greatest individual stats, he was never the first option on team. He was, at the, at the end of the day, he was a fan favorite, which certainly is a factor. That, that you can consider here. Uh, and at the end of the day, he was just someone who produced and played his role extremely well for some very, very good Magic teams. The Magic would not have made the 2009 Finals without him, uh, and they would not, and, and certainly they would not have uh, done some of the things they did uh, in those glory years without without him. Uh, became a fan favorite, really just a good story. He worked so hard to go from a guy who was kind of forgotten on the bench by Brian Hill, requested a trade at one point, and then became one of the players Stan Van Gundy trusted the absolute most. Uh, should he be ahead of Victor Oladipo? I had him ahead of Victor Oladipo on my list, but I think a lot of that was the longevity issue uh, and just kind of knowing consistently what his role was. It wasn't a, a stat thing. Statistically, no, he probably shouldn't be ahead of Victor Oladipo, but here on this list, he's number 18, a, a really, really good player, someone Magic fans appreciated, someone that uh, just about everyone uh, within the organization appreciated and and filled the role and was necessary for some championship teams. At number 17, we have Vince Carter. His one year in Orlando was not the greatest year in, in the world. It certainly was not. Um, he was still a quasi-star when the Magic got him, and, and, and they got him somewhat controversially, uh, but he never quite reached the level 
that that the Magic needed to in that 2010 season. So I think he's still viewed somewhat as a disappointment. He averaged 16.6 points per game uh, during that 2010 season. He probably deferred a little too much. But I'm someone that believes the 2010 team was probably the best team in Magic history. And they're not that good without Vince Carter, or even without the threat of Vince Carter. And really for what that team was, the fact that he was so unselfish, and really it felt like just grateful to be on a good team where he didn't have to carry... The whole, the whole team on his back. That just isn't his personality, to be frank. Um, he fit that team really well. If the Magic were going to have to push their chips in to go to the championship and they weren't going to do it re-signing Hito Turkoglu, they made a heck of a move to bring in a player of Vince Carter's caliber uh, and ability. And he performed very, very well for the team, to be frank. And not very, very well. He he didn't perform when the, when the team needed him in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, he struggled a lot in that series. Uh, everyone remembers what happened in Game 2 uh, when he missed uh, two free throws that would have tied the game. Um, if he makes those, it's a completely different series. The Magic keep home court and uh, are able to to, to adva- or possibly advance on to the finals and get a rematch with the Lakers. But um, Vince played his role well, produced, gave the Magic some good moments, didn't take away from the team and kept them kept them on their level. Um, if you want to knock him for a few things, certainly you can. Uh, I, I think Carter at 17 is just about right. Remember, the fan vote on OrlandoMagic.com got him to number 10 before the Magic said, nope, no further. So at least we didn't do that. So I'm proud of that. We didn't have him too high. I think 17 is about right. Maybe maybe a little bit up, maybe a little bit down. Let me let me see where I had him at. I had, I had Vince Carter on my list. I didn't have Vince Carter on my list. Top 25, did I? I had to. Uh, I had Vince Carter 14 on my list, so I, I I liked his time in Orlando. I thought he did do some good things, uh, and so, um, you know, I I don't blame him for the 20, 2010 loss. I, I think that team was just, was, was a really, really good team, and, and Boston was better by a few plays, uh, and I'm not going to fault a guy for, for one play here or there, even in big moments. Final guy we're going to go over tonight is number 16, probably one of the most divisive guys uh, in Magic history and certainly on our list. His high was, someone on our someone on our panel had him fifth, someone on our panel left him unranked, and that's why he comes in at 16. It is this, probably the forgotten star uh, of Magic history. He was never an all-star in Orlando, but, but came close, uh, and that is Steve Francis. Uh, Steve Francis came over after the Tracy McGrady deal. Uh, Orlando was not looking to rebuild after trading Tracy McGrady, uh, and so they tried to bring in another star. Uh, Francis surprisingly had good statistics with Orlando. He averaged 19.4 points per game, 6.5 assists per game, uh, 5.4 rebounds per game, and got to the line 7.2 times. Imagine having a player who got to the line three, uh, you know, for 7 free throw attempts per game. Magic would kill for that right now. They they just They've struggled to get... They struggled to, to get to the free throw line at all for the last four years without Dwight Howard. Um, Francis was really inefficient, high usage player. Uh, you, you had a ceiling with him, and things only got worse after the Magic traded Catino Mobley uh, in the middle of that second in the middle of that second season. Francis just never really clicked with the team. Uh, the John Weisbrod idea of having a tough guy like him or, or someone that that would bring passion to the game. Francis always tipped the passion too far. Uh, he be, he he was just not kind of the right leader or the right guy for a Magic team. And 
just kind of held the boat steady until the Magic were like, we got to get him out of here or he's going to ruin our, our prized possession in Dwight Howard. Uh, and eventually they did do that. They turned the team over to Dwight Howard and, and the rest, as they say, is history. Um, Francis was not bad in Orlando, but he wasn't necessarily fantastic. Uh, 16 sounds about right for him. I had him a little bit higher on my list because, he I mean, he was a good scorer. He was a very, very good scorer. One of the better scorers in Magic history. Um, obviously, the points per game say that, but uh, certainly Francis is, is, I think his time, I think certainly his time in Orlando is not unappreciated, but what he produced is, uh, we just remember the bad a lot with him and not necessarily the good. Um, his first game in Orlando, he had a game-winning layup over the Milwaukee Bucks at home. Euphoric moment, um, just kind of a, we're going to be okay without McGrady, and they went 36-46, and 46, missed the playoffs. Did the same thing the next year, even though they traded him to New York in the middle of the season. Uh, and it just didn't quite work out. Francis just wasn't the right player to lead a winning team uh, in that way. Um, you know, he, he was able to do it in Houston, wasn't able to do it in Orlando uh, for whatever reason. It was just a a mess of a team, perhaps. And and certainly the Magic were a little bit lost in those two years that, that Francis was around. Uh, but he was still able to produce and... Uh, provide the Magic something. So that, you know, I think the Magic would, would like a player like Francis uh, to kind of boost their rebuild a little bit and get them into the playoffs or make them competitive. So who knows? That will do it for today's episode. I hope uh, you enjoy, I hope you're enjoying this series, uh, counting down the top 25 players in Magic history. We had fun putting it together. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow with numbers 11 through 15 uh, on the list, and we'll have a, a special guest. Um, we'll have one of the panelists on, uh, I, I believe, I'm talking to Sp- uh, Spencer, Spencer Henderson, Orlando Magic Daily contributor Spencer Henderson tomorrow uh, to talk a little bit about um, the list, uh, what he, what thoughts, what, what went into his thought process about this uh, and go over numbers 11 through 15 as well. Thank you all for listening uh, to Locked On Magic. Remember, you can find us on iTunes, download us to, our, to your iTunes enabled listening device uh, as well as through Audio Boom and Stitcher. We're also on TuneIn now. So just about anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find Locked On Magic. Let me know if there's if there, if you're having any issues with the podcast. I'm happy to try and troubleshoot and help you out. Uh, and remember, leave us a, you know, once you subscribe, leave us a rating. Tell us what you think of the show. Uh, leave a comment, you know, tell your friends. Get the word about Locked On, Ma- Locked On Magic before the season starts. We are your go-to source for daily Orlando Magic talk. Uh, on the podcastophere. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm making it a word. Podcastophere. Uh, thanks everyone again for listening. Remember, today is election day, so go out and vote if you're in Florida. It's only election day in Florida. I know I might have a national audience, but if you live in Florida and you're registered to vote, make sure you go out and vote today. Even if you're not registered to a party, there are important local elections going on today, so I'll make this public service announcement to go out and vote today, Tuesday, August 30th. Go do it. You won't regret it. And be like me. Go have a greasy hamburger after you're done to make yourself feel like an American. Thank you all for listening to Locked on Magic. We will see you again tomorrow. And uh, have a nice day, everyone. You're Locked on Magic. Your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Napa know-how. 
takes a lot to get excited about a bag. But most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17